Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams going to throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio is going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Burke. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It is the first time that Carolina will be going to a major bowl game since 1950, and me and Josh Marlowe are here to break it down for you guys. We're not going to go in depth. We're going to wait about a week until we do that, get a little bit closer to the game, do our normal game week breakdowns of the game, make our predictions then, but we are going to talk a little bit about the game uh, that the Tar Heels face coming up on January 2nd. We'll talk about some of the challenges that the Tar Heels will have to face with three guys declaring today that they will not play in the game and uh, also talk a little bit about the recruiting class that Carolina brought in and allowed Josh to get his opinion in on uh, a Tar Heel class that is truly one of the best in program history. But first of all, I did want to address why we are doing this. Uh, you know, We'll have the waveform up there for you guys to watch. We are not doing this in person because I am going to have to go and get tested for COVID-19. Um, I've had some symptoms that have uh, you know lined up with what COVID-19 can produce. Uh, isn't anything overly major uh, at this point just yet. So um, no reason to be overly concerned, but I uh, still want to go get checked just to make sure that everything is all right. Everybody around me will be all right. So uh, we're you know I'll be able to do that later on in the week. If I get my uh, negative test results by next week, uh, then we'll do the podcast in person. If not, we can always just do it this way. So Josh Marlowe joining me via the telephone today to be able to do this podcast. And uh, 
Well, buddy, I mean, uh, this was, you know, it was a nail-biting stretch for the Tar Heels uh, because we came into Saturday. Most people, you know, had the rooting guide out of who they were supposed to root for. And, uh, well, Clemson did what they had to do, but maybe did it a little bit too good because Notre Dame uh, was a team that went from number two in the country, pretty much a lock to get into the playoffs, to a team that was biting its nails, waiting to see as to whether or not they would sneak in over Texas A&M. Uh, uh, you know, Carolina now gets to go to the Orange Bowl, but this probably was a lot closer than we realize inside of that committee room. Yeah, as, as I was sitting there on Saturday and I watched a good majority of that Clemson-Notre Dame game, I thought Carolina was not going to be going to the Orange Bowl because I thought with the way Clemson pounded Notre Dame, they, they would have gotten left out of the playoff. And I individually thought Notre Dame should have been left out of the playoff because they, they got blown out against Clemson. And I think you're going to get the same result with them against Alabama when they meet on New Year's Day. But what it came down to was why Notre Dame got into the playoff was they had that win over Carolina that was better than any win or second win that Texas A&M had to go with Notre Dame's win over Clemson. So it was a very interesting uh, Saturday or Sunday for the committee. Because you had to factor in what you're going to do with Ohio State. They weren't going to leave them out because of ratings, program history, and all that. And it benefits Carolina because now, as we mentioned when they beat Miami, the whenever Miami sealed the fact that this season was a success, now you're going to the Orange Bowl. Now there's no other way to define this season other than a successful season for Carolina. Because I think, you know, when Mac Brown came back, we all said it would take him three years to get Carolina to this point. Well, it took him two. And now they get a chance to go up against a very good A&M team and a, and a chance, even though you're missing three key players, Carolina finds a way to win the Orange Bowl. They're going to be mentioned in, in the teams next year as a potential dark horse to make the college football playoffs. So interesting Sunday for the committee. Probably one of the most toughest ones they've had when they put the four teams in the playoff together. And luckily Carolina got it, you know, gets in the Orange Bowl, number 13 ranking um, in the playoff. It, it really – Meant a, a successful second season for Mac Brown and Chapel Yeah, I mean, we knew it was going to be a challenge for the committee being able to put together this college football playoff. Um, I, I, you know, I'm on the other side that you're on. I think, uh, you know, Notre Dame was a team I thought that was deserving. I mean, you went undefeated in the regular season, um, ran the table. I mean, granted, the ACC is seen as a down conference, but uh, you know, the playing an ACC schedule is not easy. And Notre Dame learned that along the way. They had some of those bumps in the road, a game against Louisville where they struggled a little bit. Um, but A&M, you know, you look at at their resume and, you know, their their best win is, is Florida. That's a really good win. Outside of that, they didn't beat a ranked team even during that week all season. We're not talking about a team that was ranked at the time and dropped out. Uh, no, no, they have not faced another ranked opponent the entire season. And again, you know, you've seen some of their struggles against teams like LSU, uh, even a little bit on, on Saturday against Tennessee for a while in that first half. So I think that was part of the reason uh, why Notre Dame was selected to go in. Carolina uh, does go to the Orange Bowl. Um, and yeah, amazingly enough, and it's it's kind of weird, uh, R.L. Bynum, uh, a guy that you've had on uh, your podcast before, on the Roy's Voice podcast, a uh, guy that you know we, we both have a pretty good uh, relationship with uh, that covers Tar Heel Athletics. He put on there uh, the other day after Notre Dame got in that something that is 
is kind of interesting to think about is the fact that Carolina losing that game actually helped them get to the Orange Bowl. If they would have yeah. beaten Notre Dame, they probably would not have gotten into the Orange Bowl. They would not have been going to the college football playoff, and more than likely, they would be going to play in the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando instead of playing in the Orange Bowl in Miami, Florida. So, uh, yeah, definitely a, a weird season, to say the least. Um, you know, the bowl season is, is you know, a whole just calamity this all this season as well. Uh, you know, you got two and eight South Carolina in there, nine and two Army not playing in a bowl game. So it's just a disaster, but it's good to see that the Tar Heels will finally be going to, as I mentioned, their first major bowl game in 70 years. 1950 was the last time the Tar Heels played in what is considered a New Year's Six or major bowl game, uh, which was then the Cotton Bowl back in 1950 with, of course, Charlie Choo Choo Justice. And uh, now Carolina gets ready to head back to Miami. Second straight game that they'll play in Hard Rock Stadium. Of course, we remember the last time that they were out there. Uh, Record-setting performance, 554 yards on the ground, 506 yards of total offense on first downs alone. But as you mentioned, the Tar Heels are going to be missing some key guys. It was just announced earlier today, starting with running back Michael Carter, that he will enter the NFL draft and will forego the Orange Bowl. That was followed later on by Deami Brown, the junior wide receiver, announcing that he will forego both his senior season and the Orange Bowl uh, to pursue his NFL dream. And then Chad Surratt will also sit out the Orange Bowl as he gets prepared for the upcoming 2021 draft. This was something that we knew was a possibility, especially once you started getting uh, some of these guys starting to climb some of these rating boards uh, you know, in their position groups. Chad Surratt, a guy that's seen uh, right now is a pretty solid day two pick. Uh, actually seen probably in a a lot of the drafts that the draft uh, selections that I've seen as a as a second round guy. Now he may trend down a little bit as we get closer to the draft or trend up. Um, but you know, Michael Carter, Deami Brown, guys that are probably day three guys, but probably think to themselves they want to make sure they don't get injured, hurt their draft stock in any way, so they're going to end up sitting it out. Um, you, you mentioned it. You know, Carolina still got a lot of talent on this team. You know, we've seen that throughout the year. Uh, you know, those are three positions where I don't think Carolina should be overly concerned going in. But, uh, you know, maybe some people are a little more concerned. What's your level of concern with those guys leaving and, and how it will affect this team in the Orange Bowl? Um, I mean, you know, look, you're missing three really talented players when when you don't have Michael Carter, Deami Brown, the Southern Alpha side of the ball. Then you're losing chance to add the leader of your defense. I think Matt Brown will know how to handle this because he's a veteran coach. He just knows how to handle these kind of situations. Uh, and, you know, we, we talk a lot when we get into bowl season how irrelevant bowl games are unless you're playing in the New Year's Six, which Carolina this year is. But you have to understand where these kids are coming from as why they're not going to play. And this really started when Jalen Smith got hurt against Notre Dame back in the Fiesta Bowl, and it really put a damper on his draft. So that guy would have been a top-ten pick. Mm-hmm. Of the round. Like, he's made a nice career in the NFL. He's got a big contract from the Dallas Cowboys. But it still hurt his draft stock, and that's really what started all this. And you have to understand it. But I think Carolina will have find a way to get prepared for it because they don't really have a choice. And it's a good chance for a lot of the younger guys 
guys that you recruited to fit the system that you're running on both the offense and the defensive side of the football to go out and make a name for themselves and make some plays because you knew this was a possibility and you knew going into next year you were going to need some of those younger guys to step up. Now they get a chance to do that on one of the biggest stages of college football. So it'll be interesting to see what Jay Bateman does defensively because we saw a lot of rotation towards the end of the year. Maybe he can't do that as much now without chaps around the football field. But I, you know, I think Carolina will find a way to come back not having those guys on the field come January 2nd. Yeah, that's one of the spots where we haven't seen a lot of rotation, but I'm not really overly concerned about that spot. I think Eugene Asante is a guy that has shown us a lot of flashes when he's been in there. You've also got Kadri Jackson that you can use as well if you want a guy that's going to be a little bit more versatile, a guy that can get out and cover in space a little bit for you if you want to try to work him into the game. But I think Asante will be able to handle himself pretty well there. At running back, uh, as of today, uh, they just posted a little while ago on a couple of different sites that that uh, Javante Williams is expected to play in the Orange Bowl. Right now, he's going through practices, everything like that. So barring a last-minute change of heart, it looks like he is going to play. So even with Michael Carter out of the lineup, you would expect that you'll see a lot of Javante Williams. And, you know, we'll see probably some of the young guys sprinkled in. Elijah Green, uh, Josh Henderson, as well as British Brooks. Don't think we'll see DJ Jones because there was a picture taken yesterday, I believe, by running backs coach Robert Gillespie, and it appeared that DJ Jones was on crutches. So we're not really entirely sure what that means, but more than likely that means that he would not be available uh, for the Orange Bowl still. Uh, two units that I think Carolina is pretty confident in. Now, wide receiver I think is interesting with Deami Brown out. First of all, you take away your most dynamic deep threat on the team. There hasn't been anybody over the past two years that's been comparable to Deami Brown, not only at Carolina, but really throughout the ACC and maybe even in the country as a guy that can just – purely run straight down the field and you can throw bombs too and he has no problem hauling them in and making big plays happen when he needs to so it's going to be interesting to see how Carolina sort of reacts without him they of course won't have Bo Corrales still he's out for the season also got uh, a true freshman wide receiver Steven Gosnell who's out for the year as well so there are some you know, guys that are going to be missing on the depth chart at wide receiver, but this is an area where you'll see some young guys step up. You'll see Emory Simmons step up, as well as Choffrey Brown, the brother of Diami. But another guy that's really interesting that I think could see a bigger role in this game than he's seen for most of the year is Anton Green. We've seen him catch two passes in the last two games. Those were his first two catches of the season. He's kind of been forgotten about a little bit behind you know, this unbelievably deep group of receivers on the outside, but um, you know we'll, we'll see. He might be a guy that could factor in in this game. The good news for Carolina is that it appears that Daz Newsom is going to play in this game. Are you kind of with me where you think wide receiver would probably be the position that you're the most concerned about with these you know, among these three guys? Yeah, because as you mentioned, you're, you're taking away a big part of your offense with Yami Brown because before he emerged last year as a deep threat, Carolina had, had one of their offense since Matt Collins. And we saw the effect it had on what Carolina could do passing the ball down the field. So you get two weeks to prepare. Um, and we've seen we've seen Phil Longo, and look, I've been very critical of him, as many Tarzan fans are. He's adjusted his office when he's had to to you know combat whether it's injuries or or just uh, you know scheme against the defense to get the ball to the people that need to get the football to. You're still gonna have Daz Newsom, um, Emory Simmons kind of emerged late in the season. You've got a lot of guys that you can get the football to. You're probably gonna see a more quicker pass attack anyway because the way A and M really plays on that side of the football defensively. So you know they'll have to you know you know play chess and checkers with that, but. 
you know, that, that that's easily the biggest loss is losing him because he was the biggest part of your offense and why Sam Howell had such such huge success on football down the field his first season as a Tarios quarterback. Well, I mean, you, you know, for Carolina, even if you come into this game, you don't have those guys at the least, you get a good look towards next season and you get to finish out the season with a, a pretty tough opponent, a t- an opponent that if you're wanting to be a competitor going forward, a team that's going to be in the talks uh, to potentially challenge Clemson for the ACC, to maybe even, you know, get into the playoff conversation here in the next couple of years four years down the line, something like that. Um, you know, this is one of those games that you're going to have to find a way to be competitive in. You don't necessarily have to win this game, especially if uh, you start losing some of these other guys that are going to the NFL draft as well. If they decide to opt out late, then, you know, there, it would be understandable if you drop this one. But, you know, this is going to be an interesting matchup for Carolina. You look at Texas A&M, this is a team that's faced some of the nation's best offenses. And we're not used to saying that in the SEC. The SEC offenses have never really been bad, but they've never really been legendary like they are this season. They face the two best offenses in the SEC and two of the best in the nation in Alabama and Florida. They're one and one in those games. Uh, you know, they had some relative success at times slowing down Alabama early in the season, but Alabama at this point, their offense, you know, is just, it, it's loaded. They've got Three very capable Heisman Trophy contenders uh, that you know put up ridiculous numbers, and they got beat by 28 in that game. Then you look at the other game against Florida, a team that we saw put up some really good numbers against Alabama this past weekend. They've been dynamic all season. They end up getting beat by Texas A&M. Now, granted, that game was at home. A lot of people believe that the environment sort of helped them in that one. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how Carolina handles this test. But look, I mean, the Toriel's offense is fantastic. They put up great numbers. There's no saying that they won't put up great numbers in this game as well. But this Texas A&M team has faced some really good offenses, and they know how to beat some really good offenses. Yeah, Jimbo Fisher, who is an offensive-minded football coach, has really brought the def- uh, a good defense to College Station. If, if you watch A and M play, and I've watched them play a, a good bit because I'm a you know I, I'm a Jimbo Fisher fan. I like Kellen Mond, and I've always claimed A and M is like my is like my football team from the state of Texas. Being a Dallas Cowboys fan, they look very similar to those those good teams he had at Florida State. Where they're physical on both sides of the football, starting at the line of scrimmage, they got a quarterback that can make plays. But their defense this year has really carried them. They've got, um, as I'm looking at right now, they got the 14th best defense in the country, only averaging 316 yards per game they allow. Carolina themselves averaged over 550 yards of offense. That's almost 220 yards of difference of yardage between Carolina's offense, what they do, and what AM allows defensively. And I think this will be similar to what Carolina saw against Notre Dame. How does Carolina, you know, handle up front? If they can, if they can pass protect, then you feel pretty confident that they'll, that they'll be able to have their plays because the two the, the two good quarterbacks that A and M faced, Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, they had field days against A and M defense. Sam Howell was just as good as those guys, and you're confident he can make plays. So um, it's going to be an interesting matchup, and this is a really good test match for Carolina as they're trying to, you know, if they want to play in these bowl games more consistently and take that next step as a program. The Orange Bowl gives you a chance to, to take another step forward and make this season even more of a success than it already was. Yeah, and you got a chance if you win this game to finish inside the top 10 in the country. That's probably uh, yeah. what you're staring down at this point. And, you know, there's, there's no saying that they can. Again, you talked about it. The quarterbacks that we've seen at the top of the country – 
Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, probably, if we're being real honest here, it's them and Trevor Lawrence probably as the favorites to win the Heisman Trophy with Devontae Smith right behind him, the wide receiver from Alabama. Um, both of those guys, as you said, they really were able to pick apart this A&M secondary. If there's a weakness with this team, it's going to be that secondary. So can Carolina find a way to expose that? I'm not as concerned with the fact that, you know, Carolina is losing, um, you know, Deami Brown on the outside won't have Bo Corrales in this game, as I am with the fact that you know this offensive line is going to match up against a defensive line that's had a lot of success. Now, the thing is, is really outside of that game against Notre Dame, you look at some of the best defensive lines that Carolina has had to play this season, and they've stepped up. Virginia Tech at the time that they played them, one of the top tackle for loss teams in the country, stepped up, had a great performance. NC State, another team that you know year in and year out has produced defensive linemen, was having another fantastic year. Carolina had no problem shutting them down. And then Miami, a team that came in with two of the best edge rushers in the entire country, and they did nothing in the game against the Tar Heels. So we'll see if the Tar Heels are able to stand up against Texas A&M. That's a team that's battle-tested. They've won seven in a row. So it's going to be a nice challenge. But I think, you know, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, and of course we'll talk about it a little more last when we get to next week, um, you know, Mac Brown is the guy that if you were wanting a head coach in a situation like this, that he's, he's one of your guys that you would want. He's been there, done that before. He's not going to be afraid of the big stage. He's won a national championship, uh, and it, it, be it a national championship that nobody, and I mean nobody on planet Earth, thought he was actually going to be able to win with the team that was on the other side. So we'll see how prepared Carolina comes. And, you know, one of the other things that we'll talk about before we uh, go ahead and, and wrap it up talking a little recruiting here is, you know, what AM team are you going to see in this game? Is this going to be a motivated AM team? Is this going to be a team that, you know, missed out on the college football playoffs? So they're saying, forget it. We don't really care. Uh, you know, if you had to say right now, what what do you think that we're going to see from Texas A&M? Because I, I saw the press conference with Jimbo Fisher, and I think his guys had the potential to be very fired up. Yeah, I think you're going to motivate the Texas A&M team because everything coming out of they won at the beat Tennessee on Saturday, and then, of course, Cherche what happened when they got left out. From him and the players, they're pissed off. They're going to be angry. And I think they're going to use this as a chance to really get to the committee that they should have been one of the four, one of the four in the playoff, especially, especially if Notre Dame gets blown out, which is a good chance that's going to happen against Alabama the day before. I think you're going to see a more motivated A and M team. So I think Carolina will have to combat that. We've seen it in the New Year's Six before, mm-hmm. even the BCS system when teams get left out. It's, and that's what bowl season boils down to: who is more invested. And then the other usually will win the ball game. And so I think what helps Carolina is that even though they're without, you know, De'Ami Brown and Chats or Michael Porter, they're still going to be very invested because none of these guys have ever done this. Most of these guys were a team that went 2-9 and nine or 3-8. and eight. Now they're going to the Orange Bowl. So this is going to be a big moment for our program as well. And that's why it's probably the most compelling matchup of the New Year's Six outside the playoff because you've got, you've got A&M, who should have been, you know, a lot of people's mind in the playoff, and you've got Carolina as Nick on the block. So... It's going to be an interesting matchup one way or another. Yeah, and I, does, I, I still think that Carolina is going to come in. Mac Brown and his staff are still going to come in as well, feeling that there is something left to prove. There are people nationally that still don't think that this Carolina team is justified being in the New Year's Six, justified being a top 15 team because they have losses to Florida State and Virginia on their resume. And, yeah. you know, look, it's, it's 
going to be hard to argue with that. Those are two losses that are still head scratchers to this day. Florida State a little more than Virginia. But, you know, look, as we said, this is part of a process. Those are bumps in the road. But this is a chance to overcome those and continue to cement yourself as the biggest threat to Clemson in the ACC going forward unless Notre Dame was to shock the world and enter the ACC full-time, which does not seem like that's going to happen anytime soon. So, you know, Carolina is still going to have to come and improve some things I think to some people around the country, especially if they want to be taken seriously heading into next year with all that they're losing. So we'll see. This is a good chance for them to get off to a good start, really get themselves on the radar again for 2021, which, you know, they'll be on some radars with Sam Howell there, but this would put them right in the mix, as you talked about, for a chance to be one of those popular outside uh, the box uh, college football playoff picks for next season. So, uh, you know, Carolina, you know, not only are they building on the field by getting to the Orange Bowl, but they're building off the field. Carolina put together one of their best recruiting classes just the other day, this past Wednesday during National Signing Day. Carolina signed all 18 of their commits in the class early and, of course, announced their early enrollees as well. Eleven of the guys are going to early enroll. Uh, There is a 12th guy that is considering that. That's J.J. Jones. Uh, He is considering early enrolling, but a really good group of Tar Heels that is coming in early to try to compete for spots for next season. A team that's going to have to replace a lot on the offensive side of the ball, not so much on the defensive side of the ball, but this was a really, really strong class. Carolina, nine players on you know each side of the football. Some really good talent all across the board, but the main thing, and we talked about this in the recap podcast, me and Zach Hubbard, Carolina really dominated the state of North Carolina, and you know that's got to be something that makes you happy, especially with the fact that Larry Fedora was a guy that did not value the state of North Carolina quite the way that Mac Brown does. Yeah, um, and, and Max said when he came back in his, in his press conference when he took over that, you know, you've got to win the in-state recruiting battles. You look at all the great programs around college football, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, all those programs get the top player from their state, and then they can go to the other place they want to go to to find their talent. And that's what Carolina has done with Matt Brown and the staff he's put around them, is they're keeping a lot of the top talent home, and then they can go other places to find the players that they want or the players that they need to fill out their roster. And, you know, look, I'm not a big recruiting buff. You and Zach take care of that. But I can look up the numbers and tell you what this class means for Carolina. It means that nationally they're relevant again on the recruiting trail. It means that, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna be getting a lot of top, you know, four-star and five-star talent coming in for the next couple of years because that's, what, that's where they're at now. And it took him two years. We all thought this was a three-year process. It's taken him two. For a guy that was too old, didn't know how to really recruit, Everything that we heard negative about this hire, he has pretty much given the middle finger to. And, he, you know, with us on the, on the field and off the field. And uh, it's, it's a really good thing because, as you mentioned with Larry Fedora, the lack of in-state recruiting ties was frankly embarrassing. That's been the biggest change. If you see all the high school coaches in the state, they talk about when Carolina shows up, there's a difference around it because they're there more often. Carolina really showed up to watch in-state talent when Larry Fedora was here. And that's really changed since Mac Brown came home. But, you know, he's doing what he, he – I just like because he said he's he's always going to do. He's made Carolina better on and off the field, whether, you know, and and he's put the program back on the map. And, you know, that's a big chance of recruiting. And then, I mean, he literally finishes up one of his best classes ever 
and he's already on, on, on the 2022 class. So the job's not finished for Matt Brown and the staff are doing on the recruiting trail. Yeah, state of North Carolina was big for the Tar Heels in this recruiting class. 15 of the 18 guys at one time, at least, played in the state of North Carolina. Of course, Kobe Paysauer finished up his high school career in the state of South Carolina with Gaffney after transferring uh, when finding out that the season was delayed until February. But Carolina did a lot of really good stuff inside the borders of North Carolina. It's another talented class in 2022, but not quite as loaded as this past year, which was just a historic class that the state has never seen on the football side of things. So this time, Carolina will probably have to head up to the 757 area of Virginia, uh, really just the whole the, the state as a whole, to try to find some really good talent. And Carolina's off to a great start. As Josh mentioned, Tychun Chapman became the Tar Heels' first commit in the class uh, uh, just the other day on Saturday. Uh, and then uh, Carolina expecting that uh, Tayon Holloway, the uh, four-star cornerback from Green Run High School in Virginia Beach, Virginia, is going to be announcing his commitment to Carolina on Christmas Day. So uh, the state of Virginia is going to be a key one for Carolina in the 2022 cycle, and it would appear that they are off to a fantastic start. So that wraps up this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. We just told you a little bit about Tychun Chapman and Tayon Holloway. We got you guys covered all the way on the Heel Tough Blog website with everything on the recruiting front, uh, as well as the all everything uh, that the Tar Heels are doing to prepare for the Orange Bowl. So make sure that you go over to the website. We got the Tychon Chapman commitment article. We'll have the preview article up for Tayon Holloway's commitment as well as Adam Randall's commitment. Who, uh, you know, he's the wide receiver at Myrtle Beach High School, played opposite of the Tar Heels' 2021 early signee JJ Jones. Uh, he's going to make his announcement on that day as well. We will give you a preview for that one, but just know that heading in, it doesn't look great for. Carolina that they are going to be able to land his commitment and pull off a double commitment on Christmas Day. Um, but we'll have you covered with all of that on the website as well as the Orange Bowl stuff. As I mentioned, we got an article up there about the Tar Heels making the Orange Bowl. We got the article, of course, up there about the three guys that are leaving who we think is going to have to step up with them out of the lineup. Of course, we talked a little bit about it on here. You can go back and read it a little bit more in depth on the website. And uh, then we'll have you covered whenever we roll around to the week of the Orange Bowl. It'll be just like a regular week of football. We will preview the game, uh, then we'll recap, give you a trench report and a stock report for the game, and then that will be it for the Tar Heel football season. Uh, we will wrap up, of course, go into off-season mode. We'll, of course, do uh, you know the end-of-the-year stuff that we normally do, the final grades, the awards, all that kind of great stuff. We'll do all of that both on the website, on the blog, and then, of course, right here on the podcast. For the podcast, make sure that you like and follow the Facebook page so that you guys can get all the updates from the website and from the podcast as well whenever we put out a new episode. Uh, you know, Whenever we put out a new video episode, we premiere the video. It'll tell you right in your, uh, in your notifications that we're about to premiere a video so you don't miss it. If you're one that is listening to the podcast, wherever you're listening, to it. Maybe it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, wherever. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. The rating and reviewing helps us move up some of the leaderboards uh, in terms of when people search Tar Heel Podcast. They'll be able to find us. Some people haven't tracked us down yet. They're missing all this great content. So help them out. Help us out a little bit too, if you wouldn't mind, by uh, moving us up some of those rankings so more people can do the thing that we're encouraging you to do, which is subscribe. Whenever you subscribe, 
subscribe, you'll get every podcast in your player automatically. So you can, you know, it'll automatically down for you, download for you whenever we have a new episode. Whenever you're ready to listen to it, wherever you're ready to listen to it, it'll be right there for you, and you will be able to play the latest edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. I want to thank Josh for stopping by with me. I want to thank you guys for listening and as always, go Tar Heels. Thank you.